Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the 15th episode of the fourth season of Leverage called The Lonely Hearts Job. Beth, what did you think? I quite liked this episode, but I don't know that it accomplished much. <laughs> it, here's the thing. We're, I like to... Jamie collects her thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to collect my thoughts and then I'm going to say it again. Um... For me, this episode of Leverage is one of my least favorite of season four. Mm, I it can just, see that. I'm a season four girly. I love season four. Like, I don't think, here's the thing, I don't think there's necessarily a single flop episode in season four. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there are episodes that are better than others, but like, none of them did. None like, of them are like season one level. Yeah, like, none of them, none of them have you come into this recording space and said, Jamie, that was fucking shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they are all baseline good. And this is one of the ones that I just think of as baseline good. There's nothing really wrong with it. I think it's a really interesting commentary. I think it's also a really important episode in terms of, like, Nate and Sophie and their development as a couple. And, like, you know, we get sort of more information and, like, we're starting to see that, oh, no, now it's actually becoming a real relationship. Like, they're no longer just uh, friends with Bennies, as oh, Hardison yeah. puts it. Despite their bloody fucking bullshit about, like, oh, we're certainly not dating. I'm like, Sophie, uh, what would you call it then? Mm. And I call that Sophie fucking just making Nate paranoid for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. that is her fucking with him. That That's all she's doing there. She's like, like, it affects Nate. I'm still a single woman. I can go out with Oscar as yeah. much as I fucking bloody she's, well please. She's just having fun there. And I love that for her. She's allowed to have fun there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. That scene where she's, like, crawling on the bed, I was like, oh, this is. This is a little bit sultry. Like, we don't often see... Like, name Sophie. And honestly, like, all of the relationships within, like, Leverage, very rarely do you get that kind of perspective where it's like, oh, this is, like, a bit sexy. Like, it's very much um, typically, like, fluffy and, like, you know, a bit angsty maybe. But we very rarely get sultry. But this, Mm. I was like, oh, I can feel the chemistry here. Yeah. Like, in a way that I feel like... Is not necessarily missing from the rest of the series. But, but it's just more tangible here. Yeah, this is a much more overt setting yeah. as well. Like, she's come back to him at night. He's in bed. Like, he was clearly trying to wait up for her kind of thing. And she's teasing him. And, you know, it's a much more sexually charged moment than mm-hmm. necessarily emotionally charged, which is, I feel like, what we normally get. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that for them. Yeah, I liked like- it. There are, I was surprised, but, like, pleasantly. This is a really good episode in terms of, like, Nate and Sophie and their character development and, like, a touch point for where they are now in their relationship. And I think it's actually really nicely placed sort of here at the pointy end of the season to show that, you know, the issues that their relationship had sort of kind of caused at the start of the... I hesitate to say they caused problems at the start of the season because... They didn't really like. Yeah, there was the there was a risk that they were going to cause issues, and like I think this is, comes back to like my ongoing problem with leverage, just kind of generally is like they often don't follow up on consequences mm-hmm. for their characters, and like the consequences of like characters being mad at each other. Like we did have them address with the team, like the team was like, mm-hmm. "You should have told us," and I was like, "Yeah, you should have. You guys should also probably be a bit more mad, yeah, than you are," and also like. The fact that we didn't have a plot line where Nate and Sophie's relationship dynamic fucked something up. And honestly, I don't mind that we didn't get a plot line where their relationship dynamic ultimately fucks up a com or, like, puts people in danger. Like, 
They very easily could have done that. And I kind of am glad that we're avoiding the drama of it. But in saying that, I do feel like they had kind of set it up that... It was going to be a problem and then it wasn't a problem. Yeah. And then, again, this falls into what I just mentioned before about, like, an ongoing issue I have with leverage, which is just, like, they set up these interpersonal problems within the team and then they just fucking never finish them. Hmm. And, like, it is one of the only consistent complaints I have. Yeah. Like, and there are very few Mm -hmm. that I do have, but this is one of them. But it still hurts, you know? (laughs) I'm like, I I 100% understand what you were saying. Like, I understand the sort of, like, it can be kind of frustrating because, like, it's a setup that in any other show would result in massive payoff in terms of, like, massive issues and massive problems for the characters yeah like but just, like in leverage they just they never go that route really like um, it's very rarely an issue like they're always professional enough that it's never going to be a massive and while part of me appreciates that because i generally dislike that kind of plot twist it is frustrating for me that they keep setting it up like and they keep using these mm. same cues and these same tropes that like and then they subvert them, but I in this instance, I don't think the subversion is actually very very satisfactory. Yeah. Like, in this instance, it's like, you keep alluding to this thing and then being like, oh, actually, we're not going to do that. But then the thing you do instead is just kind of nothing. Like, yeah. it's, it's not like you're replacing it with anything. You're just going, we're just not going to worry about it. And mm-hmm. that, for me, is inherently kind of frustrating because there are legitimate risks associated with these decisions that they're making and they're they've highlighted the risks and then the risks never happen yeah and it you know or even like they do kind of put the team at risk you know and things do happen but then they literally just have no follow-up consequences like the team isn't Mm -hmm. actually mad at them it doesn't cause a rift it doesn't have any kind of long-standing effect on the show and then it's like well then what was the point of setting up the risk Mm -hmm. like why were you dedicating screen time to that and dialogue to that and you know film techniques to that if it ultimately you weren't going to do anything with it it just feels like a a waste to me and i yeah and i see what like and the thing is if it was like oh they set up the risk you know five or six times and you know three or four of them are an actual risk and the other two are kind of just like well they're good enough that's one thing, but it's like they've set it up four or it's five times and it's time. never been yeah. anything that's actually significantly... And I understand doing it if it was like a villain. Like I understand a red herring and I like a good red herring. You know, I like mm. to be fooled by the narrative by a red herring. I think it's very fun when I'm legitimately tricked. Yeah. But this does not feel like that. This just feels like they are kind of writing it because it's like the natural progression for a fictional show when they have an established relationship. Mm-hmm. Like it typically to keep the media interesting after you've gotten through the will they won't they stage, they introduce a conflict. Like Ross and Rachel from mm-hmm. Friends is a phenomenal example where it was like they were will they won't they for so long and then they eventually get together and then immediately they break them up within a couple of weeks or a season because they have to have the drama back. And like when and I'm, I'm gonna say for the record Rachel was way too good for Ross. Oh, my God, yes. Like, oh, my God. Like, everyone's like, mm, well, it's such a happy ending. Like, bitch, is it a happy ending for her? She gave up everything. For what? Mr. Mediocre? Literally. And like, I, come on, babe, you can do better. I just, yeah, yeah. Anywho, my point is, while I appreciate that they're not going the dramatic route, because I do mm. kind of find it a little bit frustrating, 
it's almost more frustrating that they're setting up the yeah. route and then just ignoring it. They're yeah. like, look at all these signs. Anyway, let's go the other direction. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, you gotta, you got to commit. Either they're really like they're putting up red flags everywhere, but we're colorblind, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a bit of a side tangent about the series as a whole rather mm-hmm. than this particular episode. But this episode does exemplify it a little bit. Mm. I think, you know, we say this a lot. We don't watch media for inherently the same thing. And so I don't think it's ever, like, that's never annoyed me that much. Like, it's never been something where I'm like, oh, well, I just wish they would, you know, have some concept. Like, mm-hmm. because for me, like, I I like leverage because it's like, oh, well, doesn't matter what's happening in the team because they're still that fucking good. Yeah, I think... I have very particular things that frustrate me in media that most people around me don't seem to find frustrating. Yeah. And this is one of them. Mm. Like, I was actually talking to Naomi about this literally last night because Naomi watches a lot of, like, kids' media and stuff. Like, she has got me to watch Steven Universe and The Owl House. And, like, Mm. I would actually highly recommend these. And Shiro is another one. But I find it frustrating to watch childish characters because I feel like they're making stupid decisions without thinking about the consequences and how their actions are going to, like, ricochet and affect everyone else. Kind and of a hallmark of child character. Exactly. And that's Naomi's point. She's like, but Bethany, that's because they're children. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But I just think it's really fucking annoying. Because you're watching them make these decisions that they're not being forced into making. They're just willingly making these choices and then bad things happen. And you're like, well, yeah, obviously that was going to go poorly. Like at the moment, Quick she's got me question. watching Arcane. And it's driving me insane because I'm like every fucking decision that the main character makes. I'm like, well, yes, of course that was going to go badly, you idiot. No one made you do that. You just chose to do it. And then we like, Bethany, she's 15. She's a child. I'm like, I don't care. Quick question. If you're so viscerally against characters making bad decisions, why the fuck do you watch Supernatural? Because in this instance, they are put in a position where they have to make a shitty choice. Like, they are put in between a rock and a hard place and they are forced to make a bad decision. These child- I don't know, man. We both watched season four. Okay, but I would- Sam just made shitty decisions for no reason there. Oh, so he made shitty decisions because he was already so traumatized. Like, I'm talking like- you watch some early Steven Universe and that child is just making decisions left, right and centre. And I'm like, I get that it's a kid's show. So, but it does drive me crazy. So they have a lot of things in common with a CW writing staff. They're just making decisions. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's The thing is, like, I understand yeah. there's children's media. And yeah. I get that. And it's just me being like, it's just, it's like secondhand embarrassment and how I just hate it. And that's why Bluey's different and Bluey is better. Oh, dude, I've never even watched Bluey. I just, I... I Fake Australian. Fake Australian. (laughs) I just... Hand in your Australian card right now. (laughs) Like, I just don't have a reason to watch it. I'm not a fan of kids' media. Even when I was a kid, I wasn't a fan of kids' media. It always drove me crazy because I always felt like the characters were making dumb decisions that no one had thought through and then they were shocked by their consequences or, like, mad about the consequences. And I was like, yeah, you chose them, though. You literally chose this consequence. Like... Another one is Dairy Girls. Naomi loves Dairy Girls. I can't get into it because there's this one character who I don't even know her name. It might be Michelle. But she's always making choices that are obviously inherently stupid and are going to end badly. And then she blames everyone else. And it drives me insane. And I can't handle it. It just annoys me so much. So, like, I recognize 
that I have very specific media things that drive me insane personally. Glad we agreed. This is a you problem. Yeah, this could this could be a me problem, but it falls into that same handbasket of like, I it just drives me a bit crazy, <laughs> and I find it frustrating to watch. Um, but it's definitely a personal preference. Like I want to stress that it is definitely a personal preference, and I can like a media. Like I ended up loving Steven Universe, The Our House, <laughs> She Right. Like I ended up loving all of those shows. It's just like a component of it that I find irritating, but it's also not actually a fault of the media itself. It's just a thing that I personally don't like. And that's like, that doesn't make it bad. That just means I don't like it. And they're two separate things. See, I can't relate because if I don't like something, it's because it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't see, but I just did the most dramatic eye roll of all time. See, I can't relate because I... I'm objectively correct all the time. <laughs> yes, so okay, all right. Sure, Jen. <laughs> well, oh, can I like segue into something that's like tangentially relevant? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was so convinced this episode that the pictures that Parker was taking of the jewelry were going to end up being relevant somehow. Mm-hmm. I was convinced because they made such a point out of it. They showed her taking photos of these people's jewelry like four or five mm-hmm. times, and I was like. Why would you, like, I get that it's a character thing, but I was like, this is so much time to spend on this, to have it never be relevant. I was like, are you kidding? Like, I get that it's like a Parker thing and like, she wants to steal stuff and like, whatever. But I was like, you highlighted her taking pictures of jewelry at least four separate times. How is this not relevant to anything? It's a red herring. Oh, but see, I don't think that it is. No, because it's not framed as red herring. That was a joke. Yeah. To be clear. (laughs) Um, I just, look, I I like it as a little, like, character detail, and that's how I think of it. I don't think of it as, like, a plot point because, for me, like, the moments are so small and, like, the purpose of her taking photos, like, they need to establish that she's taking photos to try and ID Lacey. So she is, it's, like, this little thing of, like, take this plot setup thing Mm -hmm. and make, just, like, add a little bit of a character detail for Parker so it feels less like a plot Plot setup thing thing. is how I think of it in my brain. I just thought it was so fucking funny that there's, like, one shot, like, when you first see her doing it, she straight up just takes a photo of a woman's face that's, like, maybe standing 30 centimetres away from her. And I'm like, how do you think she didn't see you? She's looking directly into the camera. You've just clicked a button. It's made the shutter sound effect. I think it's because, like, like, she's, pull, like, Parker's pulling a similar thing to Meredith and, like, she's, like, taking photos of the event. Yeah, but she's so trying, like, she looks like she's trying to be subtle because she's not facing the woman. Yeah. She's, like, taking the picture over her fucking shoulder. But I'm, like, this is the least subtle thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And also, it's the only time, I think, we actually see per- Parker take a picture of a person's face every other time. It's fucking the jewellery. Oh, and it's, like... Like, so I understand, like, yes, it was a plot thing. She had to be taking photos of people's faces. And she went as far as to say, like, none of these people match, like, with the facial recognition technology. But how would she know? She's taken a photo of exactly one fucking person in that whole room. Like, how would she know? It's off screen, obviously. Okay. Like, plot, plot, plot. Like, convenience, convenience. Do you really want a montage of Parker taking a photo of every single person in that fucking room? No, but what I'm saying is you could at least have had her take a couple more pictures of someone's face every single time you cut to jewellery. Like, 
That one pearl bracelet, irrelevant. But you know what could have been relevant? The person who was wearing the pearl bracelet's face. Like, do you know? Even if it was like headshots, but like she was only commenting on like, ooh, necklace, ooh, mm-hmm. earrings, ooh, tiara. Yeah. Like, that okay. But she was taking pictures of people's fucking wrists. Yeah. And I was like, what kind of facial recognition? And Sophie goes, can you do some lifts for me? And she's like, oh, this dude's watch. Yeah, immediately. immediately. No hesitation. And then like, you know. Fucking Sophie is so disappointed. Her like, pa- like, come on, Parker. Like, you knew that's not over. Mm-hmm. Though, the god tier, my favorite moment of this entire episode. Can I guess it? You can absolutely guess it. It's not a surprise, I don't think. Is it the part where Parker just punches a woman in the face? She's <laughs> fully committed. She's like, I'm gonna beat this girl's ass. <laughs> Wait, was I right? Yeah, you were hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Obviously, the part of this episode that I love, that always, like, I, when I think of this episode, that's the moment I think of. Yeah. I think of, you know, the entire sequence of events leading up to that and, you know, Nate being like, well, just pick a fight with Hardison's date. So she taps the lady on the shoulder. And punches her in the face. And punches her in the face. And then it devolves them to them on the floor, hair pulling, kicking, etc. She ends up getting dragged away mm-hmm. and then it cuts immediately to the shot of her in the office's space with like Nate's apartment with like the ice bag over her eye mm-hmm. and like Nate's going, fine, next time I will say start an argument, not start a fight. I also just think like it was so interesting to me because there was this scene obviously where Parker just fully starts a punch up in a public space and obviously like it draws everyone's attention and it's a whole big thing it's an autism thing i think it's like taking the word so fucking literally yeah 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 yeah. but that's like that i think that's unsaid but like that is not the point i was making Mm. the point i was making is later in the episode chef elliot takes out oscar yeah right or quote-unquote oscar which is very chef elliot in a very public space with lots of people around Mm -hmm. and somehow no one notices and i was like this is the same plot point yeah. But for some reason, for convenience, mm-hmm. in one instance, everyone notices and it's a huge fucking deal. And in another no- instance, no one notices and it's fine. And I'm like, there also, is no world. Here's the thing, though. I think it's sort of, you've got to look at the motivations of the character behind this. Like, I don't really care about their motivations. Elliot's goal is to stop this dude from going back to... Like, he's not trying to make a scene, whereas Parker is very specifically trying to make a scene. Yeah, but like, my point is, I don't think it matters where you are. You see someone punch someone else in the face, you're going to have a similar reaction. Like, I mean, unless you've yeah. paid to go to, like, the boxing match, yeah. you know. Also, like, I don't think I saw anyone else in the scene where Elliot takes out Oscar. Because I think he takes him out at, like, the back of the restaurant when no one else is around. I mean, yes, but where he is, because we get kind of, like, an idea that he can see... Hardison, because he's surveying yeah. the restaurant. So he cannot be that far away from the tables. Like, See, he, but I thought he, like, walks around the corner. Because he's, no, like, sort of he standing there. the guy, and then they go down. He's, he punches him in full view of the restaurant. Because the camera shot doesn't change. It's the fucking walkway. And we have just seen him send a waiter back around that way. So theoretically, that's the kitchen door. Which means that as soon as anyone comes through there, they're going to find Elliot fully attacking a patron. And also, the kitchen doors typically have windows so that you can see people if they're coming through with fucking hot food. Like, or plates with knives on them. Like, it just seems so silly to me. I was like, you're literally in full view of every fucking person in this restaurant and you just punch this man in the face. And again, there's no consequence to that. Like, 
And I understand for plot reasons why he did it. I understand the motivation, but I was also like, you can't just do that. You can't just so do it. I've never read that scene as being in a public place. Like I've always read that as like out the back. And you know, like for me, it's like it's an it's an old restaurant. It's well established. It's probably an old building. The hallways are like like they're hallway. You know what I mean? Like they're like a maze of hallways. So I never read it as like, oh, the kitchen door would be right behind there. It's like you know how. I don't know if you've ever been in, like, behind the scenes of an old restaurant, but it's, like, you've got the kitchen, yeah, but you've also got, like, four or five different offshoot, like, storage rooms behind the kitchen. So, like, where I thought he was was, like, tucked in behind the corner so he can, like, you know, the wait staff do come via that way to come from the kitchen with the plates. Mm. But it's, like, it's not, like, turn the corner and there's immediately the kitchen door. Like, I thought there was, like – like, I've always in my brain just assumed – that there is, like, a decent whack of, like, different, like, storage rooms and connecting hallways and, like... It just seems silly to me that you wouldn't have a door directly from the kitchen because if you're carrying people's food, you yeah, don't want to be carrying it through storerooms. You want to take it With from structural the limitations, if it's an old building that they've converted into a restaurant, they may have had no options. I really think that's unlikely just personally it's, it's also a three michelin star restaurant i don't think they're carrying people's food through multiple corridors to get it from the kitchen to i don't the think you're understanding room. what i'm saying i'm gonna cut most of this out so you're probably rejoining <laughs> us here but me and beth have just furiously compared maps and understand that we see the structure of the layout of the room this, significantly different. this literally looks like sorry my note i I'm tempted to screenshot it so that we can upload it with the, with the episode because it looks like when people are, like, doing, like, a sporting thing and they're like, okay, team, here's where you start and here's where you're going to move to. Like, there's crosses oh, like and arrows fucking everywhere. Yeah. To sum it all up here, we both think that the room looks significantly different to the other person. Our internal maps of this room are in incredibly wrong and very similar to when we discussed faith and i was like what are you fucking talking about it's very clear where the door is and you were like what are you fucking talking about it's very clear where the door is and we thought they were in opposite corners so so i think here's the thing i don't think either of us are correct i think it's you know what i mean no i think there is no right it's like schrodinger's map yeah like there's actually no correct way to know (laughs) like it's just the way that we visualized it in our minds and I am fully pulling up the episode to see if I can try and work this <laughs> I will continue to podcast this normal through this process. But I am like, I'm like, am I missing something? Like, I feel, because you're like, no, he's definitely there. And I'm like, I've always. I mean, to be fair, I've only watched it once and I was while taking notes. So I very well may have missed it. But I'm so yeah sure. Like, I don't, the way that you're describing the set out, just, I have, just doesn't make sense to me. This is unimportant. This is so irrelevant. (laughs) This is such... It's a very important episode from, like, a Nate and Sophie point of view. It's a very important episode from, like, uh, you know, all of the romantic parents this week, like a Parker and Hardison point of view. Like, it is quite important from, like, all of that, like, emotional development-y stuff. I also thought it was just very interesting the way that they set up the episode this week because, like, they Mm. were actively helping, like, a very wealthy, like, CEO, like... Mm. The opposite of their usual victims that they would help. And it was really interesting to me that they, like, they had Hardison make a point of saying, like, no, no, this guy gave away more money last year than Bill and Melinda Gates. Like, they, I I guess, making a point that, like, not all successful wealthy people are horrible dog shit people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, none of them are unequivocally good. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but they're they can also be not complete dog shit you yeah know I mean? actually like, this episode did a lot to kind of take a look at stereotypes and go look they're not always correct because even you know he he mentions in the episode i know how it looks like you know a rich wealthy guy marries a woman mm-hmm. half his age you know but then he goes on to explain like he was married for 37 mm-hmm. years and you know and you find out by the end of the episode that it's like very genuine like they yeah. have a very genuine love for mm-hmm. each other and that's like Nice. Because, yeah, he's right. Most of the time you hear that story and you're like, it's dodgy. And, yeah, like, I fully assumed that she had just left him. Yeah. And taken the money and run. Yeah. Which, it's also a really interesting episode in that Lacey is paralleling Sophie, but also Meredith is paralleling Sophie. Like, this week they're really like, oh, we're just, like, we're looking at grifters and the way grifters operate and the way grifters run and, like, you know, what's happening with that. So it's, like, it's really... It's a, it's a really fascinating episode from, like, a characterization point of view mm. because we don't normally get to see the team deal with other grifters and other con men. A while ago now on Tumblr, there was, like, a poll to try and work out who people's favourite villains were. Meredith did really, really well. Meredith from this episode, she did quite extraordinarily well. And I think one of those is that she's a female villain, which is rare. rare. And I also think just because she is so good. Mm. Do you know what was really interesting to me personally? is that the whole sort of success of the plot hinged on her not recognising that Sophie was a threat. Yes. And I thought that was really interesting because I was like, it's fascinating that as a woman, she viewed every single man as a threat, but she did not pay attention to Sophie. And I was like, I think that says something about sort of the inherent underestimation of women, even by other women. Mm -hmm. You know, like she just assumed that Sophie was not important. She assumed that she was playing Sophie as much as Nate was. And I think that that, I mean, it ultimately is what fucks her over. Mm -hmm. You know, she looks at Elliot. She recognizes that Elliot is working with them. She recognizes that, I can't remember actually if she recognizes that Hardison is working with them, but she definitely clocks Elliot. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't ever clock Parker, I don't think. And she definitely doesn't clock Sophie because that's kind of the point. Yeah. And so I thought that that was super duper interesting. At various points, she recognizes members of the team as being conmen, but she never clocks Parker or Sophie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I thought that was super duper interesting. But I also felt like, and granted, I've never actually watched Veronica Mars, but mm-hmm. every fucking scene of this woman, like with her little camera in the car and shit, I was like, she literally is just giving such Veronica Mars. Like, it was just the vibe that I got the entire episode. She even kind of looks a bit like um, Kristen Bell. Who Kristen plays Bell, yeah. Veronica Mars. Also, I'm, I'm going back, I'm watching the episode, I'm drawing it out as I watch it. So we get this shot, so you can see it's a big old house. Mm-hmm. Got that one, that one, you can see the glass, da da da, and we get this shot. So from here, you can see got Sophie on this side, Oscar on this side, mm-hmm. door at the back, right? Because that's, yeah, that's like the, the partition, the entryway door. Yeah. And Meredith, I would say, is somewhere over here because Nate sits in this chair and then we get a shot that sort of pushes in and comes over this way over his shoulder. So she's over either over here or over here. But I was going to say I thought she was over here from memory, but in saying She that. might be. Actually, that might be the white where she's. Because that's the that's the partition that yeah. I was thinking so about. So she's with she's next to the door somehow. She's near the door. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So she's in here. See, because for me, Elliot's over here or over here. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, see, yeah. you can push. So actually, sorry, it's more accurate to say Meredith, so Meredith is, is over, over here, here, like over hereish. Yeah, which is there because we've got glass along this side, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is 
the most we've ever done. Like, we've never gone back no. to an episode like this before. Yeah, I think that actually is ground level. I think you're right on that chair. one. So it's so, not raised. But we don't get a sense of where he is in the room. But you can also see that the table next to him is empty. Okay, I think he must be facing Hardison. So mm-hmm. Hardison's standing on this side of them. Okay, so we panned over. So he's actually, Elliot's probably more on this side. And then, because he goes that way. So he comes through here. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? That's why I thought Elliot was over here. And then he's in full view of the restaurant. <laughs> but you can, if you look at it, there's empty tables. All of those tables are empty. It's weird because it looks like he kind of goes in this direction. Yeah. But he actually comes like in this direction because there's like a weird thing here that we get like a panning shot that pans around to Elliot. So maybe he goes around the pillar and come. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. I understand why we were both so confused because I think that we get very clear establishing shots and then there's a couple that make no sense. And then we can see there's all tables here, but all of these are Are empty. empty. And that's fine because it's near the service door. So it's like you would fill it up last. Yeah. But it's also like... Also the fact that there's something called Tronky fucking kills me. (laughs) But it's also like why would... I still think it's so clear. Yeah, and then that's the last establishing... Yeah. Of this restaurant that we get. See, because you can see all of these things in, like, the glass. Yeah. There's, like, a... And see, that's... There's not that thing. There's a different thing that's, like, red and... It looks kind of like the COVID virus. Yeah. Well, but I... And I figured that was kind of, like, over here-ish I'm in the frame. wondering if actually... You know the white partition-y thing? I'm wondering if maybe Elliot is standing behind that. Because this now shows... Like, this is the solid wall to Nate's side right here. But oh, now as seeing... in, like, here's the main entrance, like, here. This is where Meredith is hiding. Yeah. But then we've got, like, the a more, like, sort of Meredith is hiding behind this, like, solid partition that's yeah. kind of half solid thing. And then, and then the kitchen here. door is, like, here. Yeah, because, like, this is also another solid wall. Like, this is, in my brain, this is going that way and then that's so the then corner. A different, like, partition thing. Yeah. Sort of there-ish, which is what Elliot's standing behind with all of these empty tables here, which would make sense because these are all empty, so they're the last things. Because you would fill up the window space yeah. and you would you would not want to fill up where the walkway is to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, like, theoretically, it wouldn't work mm-hmm. if she could see Elliot take out Oscar. Mm-mm. Wow, riveting podcast content. We, I think we need to upload a picture of this drawing. <laughs> I'm just, if nothing else, I'm glad I wasn't right about, I'm glad I was right about it not being raised. Because I yeah. was like, I swear to fucking God. I was like, I'm I think so sure. the reason why I thought it was raised is because it looks kind of like a balcony railing. Like, yeah. No, like I a postmodern ba- balcony railing. So I've just always assumed that it was raised. Yeah. Okay. We've just madly rewatched the relevant scenes in the episode <laughs> and tried to draw out what the room looks like. If I any think... of it's coherent, we might leave Ascension in, but yeah. honestly... But if it's not, then you're just hearing this. And this is going to be our summary of the point. The point is, we were both wrong, but also... The show is... The way that <laughs> shot the episode doesn't make it super clear where anything is in that room. So the real the real thing that's confusing is exactly what end of the restaurant Elliot is at. Yeah. Are the kitchens near the front door or are they at the back of the restaurant? Because, like, for me, back of house. Kitchens are always at the back of the restaurant. Like, you're always... You're not making guests basically walk past kitchens to get to the restaurant you know what i mean yeah, like i guess it, it yeah it sort of depends i suppose on you know like you said it's clearly like a heritage kind of building like i guess it depends on where the facilities were located but yeah yeah it's very unclear as to whether or not elliot is standing by the entrance mm-hmm. or if he's standing on the exact opposite side of the room it's like yeah. Bizarre, and do you know what it could be it could literally be that they shot the scenes with nate sophie and stuff in a location and then they shot the bit with Elliot 
on a sound stage. Yeah. Like that could very well be it. If there might not be an answer because it might just be that they were in literally two different locations mm-hmm. and they just never thought anyone would care this much. And I feel like here's the thing. If Oscar walked in, when Oscar gets up because he's got the wine on his jacket, if he walked in the opposite direction, yeah. if he walked kind of towards the camera instead but of he, away from it like he does, then it would make perfect sense. It would all come together really nicely. It's like, okay, obviously the toilets and the kitchen are at the back of the restaurant. Meredith's hiding on the opposite side of the restaurant near the doors. Yeah. It would make sense. But it's just the fact that Oscar walks the other way. And and it's also... Maybe the, it's because there's like people all between him and the kitchen. So he's walking around. around. But it's also like because Meredith is here. And we know... The only thing we really know for certain is where Meredith is and then where Nate and Sophie are. Mm-hmm. So because of where Meredith is, if Elliot was on the opposite side of the room to her, she would very clearly see him take out Oscar. Yes. The only thing I think that would say that she wouldn't see him is if there's like a pillar or something or in the way. another partition. Which you see because there's like, there's pillars all through the restaurant and I think this is also more evidence that it was previously like a mansion or something that's been converted because... I mean, that's pretty evident the structural. from the like, drone yes. shot we get, the establishing shot. And those pillars would be structural. So they've opened up the dining room. Mm. They've combined a whole bunch of different rooms, but they've had to leave the structural elements of the walls in place. Yeah. So you've got a lot of pillars. You've got a lot of really fucking weird-looking art in the room. Yeah, the art is weird. So I think the only way you could argue that is, like, just the angles of it. Like, he's a bit more concealed, and it also does look like, you know, there are specifically a lot of empty tables around the sort of wherever, whatever side of the restaurant he is at, there are a lot of empty tables. Which is obviously like makes sense because it's like more Mm. of a staff area. Like the last place you're going to seat in a restaurant is the tables closest to the kitchen because that's going to be like banging and sounds and, you know, fire and whatever else. And how are the chefs going to say, fuck this fucking bullshit if you've got clients right next door? Exactly. Um, Exactly. I also think the other thing that I will claim victory on is I think that comparing that situation with the situation with Parker is very, very different because Parker picks a fight in the middle of a room and full on punches a lady. Whereas he just like grabs him and drags him away at the back of the restaurant with empty tables all around. I do think it's a little bit like surely maybe somebody would have seen, but I do think it is a very different like this situation. Is, you know this what I mean? is the thing. It all comes down to where the fuck Elliot is standing. Yeah. Because if, if those those empty tables are not obstructed from the rest of the restaurant like if they just happen to be empty but there is nothing between like my line of sight and those tables there is no fucking way that that doesn't cause a distraction yeah like if there is a partition or it's like around a corner if it's like a secondary dining room that's different but there is nothing to suggest that it's a different room and there is almost nothing to suggest there's anything blocking elliot from sight which is where my problem comes in like, just because the tables are empty doesn't mean people can't see them. It just means that those particular tables are empty. They could only be 20 metres from Sophie and Nate and just be empty. Yeah. You know? Like, just because they are empty doesn't mean there aren't other people around. No. But, like, I do think it means, though, like, the further away you are from something, the less likely you are to see it. Just Oh, yeah. That's just... Yeah. You know, just... There's more likely to be something in the way or like, you know, what I mean? and it looks or like you're distracted. A, people are focusing yeah, on their food. People are focusing on their food. It's a very convoluted restaurant layout. Like there's a lot of fucking weird reflective art, which I think yeah. is also making it difficult for us to figure out what the fuck. Cause there's weird angles and reflective services and like colors and yeah. windows everywhere in this joint. It's, it's all, it's all really weird. Um, and I also want to think, I, I also just personally, I think, Grabbing someone and kind of like dragging them from behind so people can't really see you is a lot 
less like obvious than going up to someone, tapping them on the shoulder and punching them in the face. I don't like, think I don't think it's any less obvious. I think it's literally just context. And like I think, the thing for me is like I don't think that they have established that Elliot is in a private enough space mm-hmm. that it becomes a different context. For me, it's visually very different watching somebody punch somebody else in the face versus like kind of grabbing them from behind and dragging them. You know what I mean? Like if I you just I'd be equally concerned if you just in saw, either circumstance. If you just saw it out of the corner of your eye, sure. You could mistake it as tripping. You know what I mean? Like whereas you can't really mistake someone punching someone else in the face. Personally. Like, I mean, I guess it also depends on the other person's reaction. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. Because he also doesn't do anything to silence the guy. Yeah. So it's like, surely he's yelled out. Like, he doesn't make a sound in the show, but, like, I can't imagine if someone did that to me, I would just go down silently, you know, like... Doesn't he grab him, like... We're not really I'm not going it. back to no. it. And then, like, there is a good couple of seconds before he actually gets a hit in. And then mm. you still have the problem of, I still think that he is right by the kitchen door. I don't know, man. It's... It is so not worth this level of discussion. No. And honestly, this is a thing that happens every fucking episode. Yeah. The amount of times that Elliot gets away with violence in public places where he absolutely should not be able to get away with the violence, it is just a common thread at this point. Like, the only reason I brought it up was because we had the comparison between Elliot and Parker in this yeah. episode, which we normally wouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I don't think it was as subtle as I thought it was, but I also don't think it was as obvious as you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's actually somewhere in the middle. I think they've just done a, maybe a poor job of establishing where Elliot is. In the rest And then that changes everything. Yeah. I think where they really fucked up is having the tables next to wherever Elliot was. Because if those tables weren't there in the shot, you could say, oh, well, he just ducked his head around the corner to see what Hardison was doing. And then he ducked back around into, like, the staff-only area, which people are less likely to see something happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, the other thing is they could have had – like, Elliot has seen what's happened. They've clearly planned this to happen. Yeah. Elliot could have ambushed him in the bathroom. Yes. Like, that would have made a million times more sense yeah. because it is private in there. They could make sure there was no one around and they could just lock him in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. Until they were done. Not, like, knock him out. Lock him in a cubicle. He's fine. No one is going to fucking yeah. come and investigate. Like, so Not at least in the next 20 minutes while Nate gets Sophie out of there. Exactly. Amazing. We've just fixed the scene. Yeah. <laughs> we need to move on. We absolutely do. Okay. One thing I did like about mm-hmm. that scene, regardless of where Elliot is standing, is I do love a good Chef Elliot moment. I love that he tries the plate of food as it goes past. I love mm-hmm. that he's like, that needs more salt. My baby boy. Love to see it. Actually... I did have another point about Elliot that I did love this episode. Mm-hmm. At the very end, when he clearly orders the flowers for Parker and Sophie, the plants yeah. are so cute. Like, and the fact that he specifically, and Elliot being the heat, yeah. gets Sophie... It was a good point. Yeah, well, yeah. Specifically gets Sophie her favourite flowers and then gets Parker the plant that, like, oh, actually does, does something, something. Which is a fun callback to the second episode of the first season where Parker is absolutely confused. Why would you want a plant? Why would you even want a plant? You know? So it's a really fun callback. And I love that the entire scene is basically just Elliot being like, yeah, I could one-up both of you. Yeah, I also... Like, if I, like, if I wanted to, I am more romantic than either of you combined. Like, right to, like, Nate and Hardison. And I, what I like about it is that it is both an opportunity for him to, like, kind of poke shit at Nate and Hardison in, like, a, you know you guys aren't that good at this kind mm. of way, but also in a, like, you're welcome kind of way because he's not taking the credit for it. He is letting them take the credit. Yeah. 
But the fact that they know that they're getting credit for something he did, Mm -hmm. I think will annoy them more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And when he walks away and he's got that cute little smile, I was like, okay, he's actually so cute. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if Parker and Sophie think that the flowers came from Nate and Harmson. The point is that they got something that they like and makes them Mm -hmm. happy. And, like, obviously Elliot cares about, like, the team and stuff. And so, like, in that moment, I think it's very sweet that he's, like, it doesn't really matter that he's not getting the credit. The point is he made his friends happy. Yeah. And I was, like, And the point is also that he showed up, you know, Hardison and Nate. Yeah. Like, a little bit. Exactly. Like, he gets satisfaction from the fact that he's done something nice for his friends, but also the fact that he is low-key bullying his other friends. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know. And they can't say shit about it. No, because as soon as they say shit about it, then it becomes blatantly obvious that they are not the ones who decided to get the girls' flowers just randomly for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. oh, one other thing about Elliot. Do we know what book he's reading at the start of the episode? I don't think we ever get an answer for what book he's reading at the start of the episode. Because I am genuinely interested. Like, I would like to know what he's reading because I feel like it could be interesting. So if anyone knows, if there's like a behind-the-scenes info there, I would be keen. Well, like, I was going to say, how the fuck did they get Lacey's fingerprint, like, to match it against the one they pull off the picture? Because, like, it can't be from a police database because the whole reason that they want the fingerprint is so that they can find out her identity. So, like, they can't have had her identity. Oh, well, I think the thing is they didn't previously have a fingerprint. Like, they had nothing with her. So... But they were matching her fingerprint to a fingerprint. I think it's like a chicken and an egg sort of situation. For me, the reason they needed to get the fingerprint off the painting is because they didn't, like, off the picture, is because they didn't have her fingerprint. But her fingerprint was already in a database. But, of course, they couldn't find her fingerprint. They couldn't work out who she was because that's like searching for a needle in a haystack. Oh, no, my point was, like, when they're, like, taking pictures of the fingerprint, there was a fingerprint, like, if you look at the phone, Mm -hmm. half the screen was an existing fingerprint and the other half of the screen was the picture they were taking. And it was, like, mapping onto the existing image of a fingerprint they had. And I was like, how the fuck did you get that if you don't know who this woman is? And that's the whole point of this scene. Okay, so I think it's just visual effects did a bad job with what was on the phone. Okay. Because I was going to say, I was like, you cannot, you can't have this fingerprint and then be like, we'll find one that matches. Because how the fuck did you narrow it to this fingerprint Mm -hmm. that you're trying to match it to? That makes no sense. Yeah, because what, for me, the... I wasn't looking that closely at what was on the fingerprint matching screen because I've always this, like in my brain like I didn't watch it that closely. To be fair, I want I want to establish that straight up. But in my brain, what's on the screen like the fingerprint to left is like it mapping the ridges onto like a comparable fingerprint base. Like if that's making sense, like it's taking that and putting it there so they've got a clear idea of the fingerprint. Like because the one on the left, they mm-hmm. they compare like three different fingerprints, and the one on the left never changes. Which implies that they have an existing one that they know is hers and they're trying to find one that matches. And it's like, how could you do that? Because the whole point is you don't know who this woman is. Yeah. So you could not have isolated her fingerprint from a database. You don't have her name. That is the point. Because for me, I've always figured this scene is them comparing the fingerprint on the photo to like see if they can get any hit so they can work out who she is. Yeah, which would make sense. Which makes sense. But that's just not what they actually show us. But it just, it's, it's... the way it's framed is kind of weird in that, like, it, yeah. The the visual effects make it look like they already have a fingerprint when I don't think they do. I think the point of the scene is that they don't they have don't. the fucking fingerprint. Yeah, the whole point of the scene is they don't have anything. Yeah, they have and I a think, fake name and maybe a fingerprint. Yeah, I think it's just the way it 
like the visual effects they put in on the screen just don't match up with what the the actual storytelling is telling us. Yeah. I think honestly, this episode is kind of like hard because I've got like lots of little fun bits that I really liked. Like I've got like, oh, like an appearance of Nate's dumb hat. Oh, Chef mm-hmm. Elliot. Oh, like, you know, Parker having fun, like thieving and things, you know, there's all these little bits. But then the things that I'm struggling with this episode are all logistic stuff. Like, it's all, like, they're saying one thing and showing another. Or, like, the fucking layout of this room makes no sense. Or, Mm -hmm. like, and I don't know if it's just, like, something was off this day or what. But I feel like normally leverage is way better. Oh, yeah. These details. They normally, like, the details are normally one of the things that really stands out about leverages being quite good. Like, they normally have a real tight grasp on exactly what's happening, exactly what logistically needs to happen mm-hmm. for the story to make sense. Whereas, like, it just seems like, you know, maybe maybe the studio space they were using that week or something, like, they thought they'd have it all week and then it was suddenly unavailable. But, like, and so they had to, like, pivot their plans for the mm-hmm. second half of the scene. Like, that might be what happened I- with the restaurant scene, like, but we just it just some of the stuff doesn't seem to match up in terms of what they're telling us versus what they're showing us. I honestly think they just didn't expect people to be looking this closely. Because if I was general audience, I would not have noticed any of this shit. The only reason I've noted it down is because I'm looking this closely because it's the point. But like I want to make it very clear like it's I feel like it's maybe coming across like I didn't like this episode or I have all these issues with it. That is so not true. I actually genuinely enjoyed it. I just think that the only real talking points I have about it are in the things that I was confused by. It's a really interesting episode, but it's a really hard to talk about episode because a lot of it is like nebulous character stuff. Yeah. And then everything else to talk about is like the nitty gritty details of the con stuff. Yeah. Which they seem to this week be so concerned with like the character stuff that some of the details that would normally be like impeccable in an episode of leverage in terms of the plot stuff. Yeah, like we didn't have even just get a, suffered a little bit. We didn't even get a black and white montage with the spy music over at this episode. Like, no. Because the plot itself was not that intricate. And I think that maybe that also like lends to like why I'm noticing more of the other inconsistencies. Because normally I'm so wrapped up in trying to make sure I'm following the plot and understanding mm-hmm. what's actually happening that I'm like not noticing these other bits and pieces. But like this episode, it just felt like I was like, I'm confused about where Elliot is standing. Yeah. Also, I'm confused about wh- where the fuck they got the fingerprint from. Also, I'm confused about, you know, X, Y, Z. Like, so I feel like maybe it's just like, it's coming across as if I didn't like this episode. But I want to be very clear. I did enjoy this episode. It's just that there's not many talking points. No. <laughs> At least in my, like, first time viewer ex- sort of experience, I don't think there's that much that interesting to say. No, it's a very fun episode and, like, I think it's a really important episode in terms of, like, conceptually and character-wise, but, like, I also think it's not that deep. Like, as an episode, it's, like... And it's also kind of, like, I picked the entire plot. Like, I I hadn't mentioned it up to this point, but, like, as soon as they were, like, at the auction and there was, like, they introduced the photographer, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's her. Yeah. And then as soon as, like, you saw that, like, both the women were, like, swooning or whatever, like, as soon as she swooned the first time, I was like, that is clearly a point and like my initial thought was maybe she was ducking so that when the woman took the photo she was specifically photographing the men because yeah. the woman has moved out of the way yeah and then like they did it a second time and i was like oh no this is like a different kind of tactic and yeah. then they kind of lay it out for you and i was like oh, i've already figured it out like mm-hmm. the plot itself is not very intricate this episode either and like normally it is much more so mm-hmm. like so i thought 
I think honestly the most interesting part of the plot is what we mentioned earlier, which is like the fact that mm-hmm. the very wealthy middle-aged man was not the villain. Yeah. Like that I think is, if anything, the most interesting part about the actual plot. And then obviously like the last two minutes. But even then, like the last two minutes, I don't think we really get anything that we mm-hmm. didn't already kind of know. The other really important things about this episode that I want to talk about that are not relevant to this episode. They're just relevant to you personally. Oh, fun. Did you recognize Meredith? No, I thought she looked like Kristen Bell. She was, in fact, Anya in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, motherfucker. I knew she looked familiar. I was thinking about the wrong 90s television. Mm-hmm. Does that break your brain like a little, like a little bit? Like it it's like clicking into place. It, like it, it doesn't break it, mm-hmm. but it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, like I definitely recognized her. That's why I was like, she. I was like, she, she feels familiar, mm-hmm. and that's why I thought Kristen Bell because she was yeah. giving Veronica Mars. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, I, I feel like that's who mm-hmm. she looks like. But no, now that you've said that, yeah, I immediately see it. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to talk about that is not relevant to the episode, but is in fact relevant to you personally, mm. only because we have talked about this in the Supernatural podcast. Seatbelts? No. Oh, because I was mad about them not wearing seatbelts. Soul gazing. Oh my Looking god! Looking into yes. somebody else's eyes for two minutes and inspiring feelings of real love. We've googled this before. <laughs> we have in fact googled this before, and I thought that your little bestial heart would be happy for this. Yeah, one. it did make me giggle a little bit. I was like, oh dang. We also got, like, a line from, I think from the, uh, I don't know his fucking name. The name of the dude who was crying at the start of the episode who they help even though they wouldn't normally. Mm-hmm. Whatever his name was. The billionaire. Uh, what's his fucking name? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I remember. Know. He's not that important to the yeah. plot, honestly. Like- anyway, the guy whose wife disappeared, mm-hmm. he makes a point. Like, she's like, he says that she changed him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Destiel. <laughs> And it was so irrelevant that I wasn't going to bring it up. But now that you've brought up Destiel personally... It's allowed. It's allowed. Now that you've brought it up, I can talk about it. But no, I I did think that you'd find that moment quite funny, considering mm. the conversations we have had specifically... Yes. On... On soul gazing. Driver picks. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Jimmy, being John Coded, the fact that he loves baseball, mm-hmm. didn't see that coming. Yeah. I was like, that's so specific. Yeah. <laughs> It's wild. Like, I, what is it? Like, TV shows filmed in, like, the mid to late 2000s were like, mm, yeah, no, we're going to make the absentee father obsessed with baseball. Yeah, I don't know what was in the water, but they were just like, yeah, love There's baseball. There's a brain cell for that one. <laughs> oh, I also had another point. The other mm. thing that I worked out way ahead of time is, like, the auctioneer was in on it too. Yeah. I was like, there is no fucking way that he doesn't know. Like, as soon as it was established that, like, all of the women were playing them, I was like, oh, the auctioneer yeah. immediately is, is part of this con. Yeah. yeah. I was like, there is no way that he is not a part of it. And then I was, like, immediately mm. rewarded 20 minutes later. I just want to talk about some really small moments in this episode that I do love. Okay. I feel like I need to shout them out because otherwise I'm doing myself a disservice by not highlighting what I really enjoyed in this episode. I love the fact that, you know, the billionaire starts crying at the start of the episode. They're all like, let's just get Sophie real quick. Oh my God. They're like, anyone crying? Immediate answer, Sophie. They're like, I'm a man and I don't know what to do if a person is weeping, especially mm-hmm. if that person is also a man. I'm like, guys. <laughs> I think that's less to do with like them being like, I'm a man, and I, but more so like, Anyone's crying, they're calling Sophie. Because Sophie is the emotions person. Mm. Sophie is the emotions person all the way. And then we get the three-way fight line, which is an oh. interesting choice from Parker. I I didn't know how I felt about that joke, if I'm being totally honest. I felt like it was a little bit of a, like, 
It's a weird one. I thought it was a little bit lowbrow. Yeah. So if I'm being totally honest, I was like, that's such a... I think it's fun, but I, I do think it's it's not very, like... It's not clever. No. And, like, I often, like, when we have humour that's related to Parker saying something that's, like, not quite... Yeah. Like, I typically find it quite fun because it's often, like, a play on words mm-hmm. kind of thing. This one I was kind of like, okay... It's a little like, bit obvious. Sure. Or it's a little right. bit pedestrian. It's low-hanging fruit, yeah. really. But it's know? a little bit of fun. You know, I also love the fact that Parker is the one who names the job this week. Oh, yes, that And was she's cute. like, you know, she's going through her options and she's, she's having a good time. I also I love Parker's little chimney sweep outfit, actually, this yeah. episode. Didn't mention that before, mm-hmm. but cute as heck. She's always cute as heck. It's just what it is. I also love the fact that we get a cricket reference this week. Oh, Just makes yeah. my little, like, Australian heart happy. That was fun. Yeah. And I also love the fact that Nate really, like, is like, I picked you. I didn't pick the other, others, but I picked you. Yeah. Which I think is really important to remember going into, like, the rest of the show. Because I think it's something that, like, everyone tries to frame it as, like, oh, they're a team. But, like, it is important to remember that, yeah, no, Sophie was not a, an original member of the team. Yeah. It's also important to remember that, like, Nate makes a great point. He didn't mm-hmm. seek out any of the others. They were impressed upon him. Yes. You know, they didn't choose to collaborate. They were made to, whereas Sophie... Yes. It's important to remember the role that Dubinich played in assembling the team. Um, not to give him too much credit. Not to give him too know. much credit, because he is a slimy bastard man who planned on killing all of them. Oh my god, but so Zachariah, core of him. I know. Um, but it is important to remember that, yeah, no, like, Sophie was not, like... The rest of the team had already run a job together before they brought Sophie in. Mm. And that Sophie is the only one of the team that was, like, picked by Nate. Yeah. Everyone else, he sort of got handed to him. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a, a really interesting thing to, like, remember as you're looking through the series and you're looking at sort of the development of who the characters are and what they've done and, like, you know, everything they've done to get up to this point. Everything they've done to get up to even, like, just this plot line of... There's a reason why somebody noticed them. And there's a reason why Latimer's now sort of coming at them. And we do get explicit confirmation this week that Latimer is about to start. Yeah, which I have questions about as well. Again, mm-hmm. from like a logistic point, because wasn't his whole thing about how he was never going to bet against them because he wasn't that stupid? Mm-hmm. And now he's like three episodes later, guess what I'm going to do, kids? I'm going to bet against you because I'm fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, I do find it, like, kind of less compelling knowing that he's going to be actively going against them. Mm -hmm. Because the whole thing was kind of like, I enjoyed that they had gone for an angle where he was just kind of passively profiting. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's now going to be, like, openly aggressive is kind of like, ugh, I kind of wish that they just sort of, like, found a sneaky way to take him down rather than him becoming overtly a villain. Like, so I'm interested to see how it plays out, but I'm kind of like, you have already established that you think this is literally the dumbest thing anyone can do, and now you're choosing to do it. Like, it just seems like a weird... But that begs the question. He's clearly not working alone. He has the phone call at the end where someone else is clearly calling the shots. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the only person, the only person that mm-hmm. I think feasibly could beat them mm-hmm. is Sterling. Yeah. Because... The only other person that they have at all built up is Moreau, mm-hmm. who got taken out at the end of last season. Yeah. So unless they're going to introduce someone fucking random mm-hmm. in the last, like, what, four episodes? 
three, three episodes. We've got next week and then it's a two-part season finale. Yeah, so like unless they're going to introduce someone completely mm-hmm. new or maybe bring someone back who was like older, like even maybe Chaos, I could yeah. maybe understand. Mm-hmm. But even Chaos, they've already brought down twice. Yeah. Like, or like one of their old marks, like, you know, we've talked a lot about Dubinich recently. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be interesting, like maybe he's gotten out of prison or whatever mm-hmm. and he's like, I've got a vengeance. Yeah. But also why the fuck would, um, what's the guy's name? Latimer? Latimer, yeah. Latimer. Why the fuck would he work with someone he already knows the team has brought down before? Like, mm-hmm. why... I understand that now, like, he is known to Nate, so he's not as safe as he was. Yeah. But also, I feel like the smartest course of action, and he strikes me as a smart man, mm-hmm. the smartest course of action is just to be like, do you know what? Quit while you're winning. Mm-hmm. And just go somewhere else. Just no out for a bit. leave them to it. Like, his call at the end of, like, well, if you do that, it's war. Yeah. And then it's very clear that the person on the other end of the phone says, let's go to war, because he's like... Well, I guess we're going to war then. Like, like the only – really, there are very limited people that mm-hmm. he could be on the phone with where this makes any fucking sense mm-hmm. that isn't someone that we've never met. Yeah. And I think that those people – and, like, bearing in mind, I might be forgetting someone. And mm-hmm. I'm terrible even within the episode that we're talking about remembering, remembering anything yeah. about the fucking Mark. Mm-hmm. So I'm likely forgetting someone. I think that it could be Sterling, although I really – doubt that because the whole thing is that Sterling and Nate don't actually want to take each other down. No, it's too much fun for them to like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's the possibility that it is maybe chaos. Mm -hmm. There's the possibility that it is maybe roundabout somehow Dubinich. Mm -hmm. There's a possibility that maybe it's the fucking bluefish. Yeah. Maybe? Mm -hmm. Like, because... Even just looking at that list that you've done, it's like Sterling doesn't want to take him down. Prison, prison, prison. Yeah. Everyone else is currently in prison. I mean, so we've it's... seen people escape prison mm-hmm. before. It's not... Or, like, maybe Jimmy, but, like, mm-hmm. that... Yeah. You know, the only other person, and this Plot is Plot twist, really... it's Maggie. <laughs> this is really stretching. Yeah. But, like, the only other person that I can really think of that would have this much of a vendetta, mm-hmm. like a personal one, yeah. is Blackwell. Yeah. But I just don't think, like, mm-hmm. we've been there and we've done that, and that, like... If they brought Blackwell back up fucking again, if I have to look at that fucking flashback anymore, Jamie, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, I just, I, and like I said, I'm probably forgetting people. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm definitely forgetting people, but off the top of my head, I think these are the characters who are most likely based on either personal vendetta, mm-hmm. like their facts that we've seen them very recently, mm-hmm. or because I think that they actually might have the potential to be mm-hmm. good enough yeah. To take out the team. Because, like, the only other people is, like, people that they've worked with collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Like, Tara is not going to be trying to do no. it. That would be insane. No. You know? And so, I don't know. It's, yeah. And I don't think I'm supposed to. To be, no. to be very clear. To I'm, be very clear. I'm like, not frustrated mm-hmm. at all that I don't know who it is. I don't think I'm supposed to. No. And I'm glad that it's It's the sort of thing where obvious. we'll get the reveal. And then if you ever go back and revisit this season... You can go, oh, I can see that person's fingertip, like fingerprints yeah. all over this. But it's also, they have not told you. At no. this stage, they have not told you who it is. The audience isn't supposed the to. The audience know. isn't supposed to know. It's the sort of thing where you get the reveal and you go, oh my God. Mm. That is. Can I ask, am I at all close in any of the suggestions of the person it could be? You don't, like, I'm not asking for any specifics, but just like, a, like am I warm in any regard? I think you're thinking of it the right way. 
if okay. that makes sense. Like, I I would hesitate to say that you're correct, mm. but I, I do think you're thinking about this problem in the correct way. Okay. Like, I think you are at least looking at the clues in a way that will be beneficial to the yeah. review. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to think mm. of it from the sake of, like, a satisfying narrative. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make much sense for this to be someone that we've never met because they only have a couple of episodes to establish Yeah. Them. And given how much time they spent establishing Moreau last season, it yeah. feels whack. You are correct, though. It is the... the the person that he's talking to on that phone, yeah. we have met before. It is not going to be like a oh, random. Okay. It is we have met them before. We do know their name. We have like you are not. This is what I mean. Like you're thinking in the correct way. Mm. The person on the other end of that phone line is not just like a random big bad number four. Like yeah. we are not it's... bringing in some random person who we don't know. Like. You will see their face and you will recognize exactly who they are. Yeah. You will know. You like when you when we get the reveal, you will know who yeah. they are. It's not like a not to bring up supernatural on the level, but it's not it's like not like the cult being introduced. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also not like, you know, that scene where they introduce Brady, Brady and you see his face and you're like, who is this random white dude number four? Yeah. Like we will get the reveal and you'll be like, I know exactly who that is. Okay. Because... Like you will recognize them. We have met them before. Cool. Because like mm. the only can I give you, like, my absolute batshit takes? Oh, go for it. Go for it. I have. I just think it would be really funny if the real reason that Taggart has been missing... Is because he's... <laughs> is because he's actually, like, like either in deep, deep cover yeah. investigating the team or he's actually involved in the criminal underground. Yeah. Like, one of the two. I just think because the last two or three episodes, mm-hmm. he has just been missing for, like, the most... Mm-hmm insane reasons yeah. and while I do love that like I think the last one was a fucking ferret attack or yeah. something and so I do think it would be really funny if like no actually it's because he's mm. in deep cover I think the only one that would be funnier than that is if it's actually McSweeten oh <laughs> see okay but he could actually have a bit of a personal vendetta because yeah. he could be like so upset that like Parker yeah. has been lying to him and mm. taking advantage and, and whatnot yeah the only other thing that I'm thinking is that like because this is a bit more of like a Hardison mm. kind of like season not not as overtly as the other seasons have no. been like nate elliot mm-hmm. sophie seasons but i feel like we've gotten a fair bit of like plot lines that are specific to hearts and like particularly mm-hmm. the grave danger job mm-hmm. like yeah. is one that jumps to mind yeah but specifically we've had a lot of stuff with focusing on his relationship with parker which is obviously very like hardison mm-hmm. driven because he's the one who's like no he's not setting the pace but like the fact that he's allowing parker to while mm-hmm. his emotions remain very obvious yeah like all through like the girls night out job mm-hmm. hardison was the only person that we saw from the guy's yeah. side of things like even in situations that hardison's not in mm-hmm. he is kind of in um but i don't really know outside of like chaos anyone yeah. who would specifically be relevant to mm-hmm. hardison and like that's the whole thing like they're using hardison's tech to yeah. evade them you know they've made a point out of that so it's like okay but i it's, don't know yeah for me, like, the reason that, like, and, like, I think you're correct. Like, I think this season is Hardison season. And the reason that I think of this as Hardison season is you can point to any episode in this season and he has a unique uh, development in regards to him and another member of the team. Like, the way they're developing his relationships this season uh, is yeah. really interesting. The and, dynamics that he has mm-hmm. had with each of the other members individually, yeah. I think, have been 
sort of highlights of each episode. Like, even recently, I can't remember which episode it was, but I was talking about how I loved that we got so much Elliot and Hardison content and mm-hmm. how we just saw them, like, bantering. Even just this episode, that. we get a lot of banter. We get them, yeah. like, betting over who can get the highest bid and they're, like, betting on a steak dinner and, like... Yeah, you know. and it's so fun. Despite the fact they know for a fact that Sophie and Parker are both rigging these, like, bi- yeah. like auctions, you know what I mean? Like, It doesn't matter. That's not the point. It doesn't matter. It's not the point. Like, the point is, you know, like... Hardison is really growing as, like, a person this season. Like, this is definitely, I would say, the most character development we've had from Hardison across a single season of Leverage so far. Do you know, I would even argue that even just in amount of time spent outside of Anne, Mm -hmm. Hardison has grown this season. Because the other three, he spent a lot of time just kind of sitting in the van, Mm -hmm. working remotely. And while, like, obviously what he was doing was still very valuable... I think this season has seen a lot more of him expanding on his own personal repertoire of mm-hmm. skills and like putting himself in these other kind of positions. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it was last season or early this season, but he was talking to Nate about like wanting to run his own crew someday mm-hmm. and like looking for direction in that. And so I think that the fact that we've seen him actively kind of working in other areas has probably led itself, like, lends itself credence to that idea of him trying yeah. to like get a feel for what it means to run a crew and understand the different components better. Okay. Well, I don't think I actually had too much else to say on this episode. Like, you don't have anything else that you want to cover? What was that? Do you want to say that again? No. I think I'm good. Okay. Lovely. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Beth, how would you rate the Lonely Hearts job out of five? I gave it a four out of five. Oh, that's still that's way better than I thought you were going to give it. Ooh, like, we got bit into arguing about the layout <laughs> of the room. I'm like, oh, she... <laughs> that's the thing. Like... I, I want to make it very clear. I enjoyed this episode. I, like, couldn't really fault it. It was just that, like, some logistic stuff. And it really comes down to just, like, the layout of rooms and, yeah. like, the some way that they... Some weird details that, for some reason, just didn't line up as perfectly as they normally line up. Yeah, and the only reason that I noticed them was just because the plot was a bit less convoluted this mm. week. And that's not a complaint either. No. Like, it's just... It's actually kind of a nice, refreshing change of pace. Like, yeah, it's like, simple. It's cut and dry. It's giving the characters some room to breathe, especially as we go into the pointy end of the season. Yeah, like, I generally just enjoyed this episode. And if I was watching just, like, as a general audience member and not as someone who's working on a podcast about it, then I would have had literally zero complaints. It's only because I'm watching it for the sake of trying to pick up nitty-gritty details mm-hmm. that I'm noticing bits and pieces and going, what the fuck happened there? Like, so yeah, four out of five. I thought it was solid. I thought it was fun. I liked that they changed up the style of the mark. Mm-hmm. I liked that we saw Nate Sophie development. I liked that we had some chemistry there. I liked the banter between Nate, uh, sorry, between uh, Hardison and Elliot. I loved Parker's little outfits and I loved her energy and wanting to steal stuff. Like, I loved everything. It was just like... A good time. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was an exceptional episode. No. But I certainly don't think it was mediocre. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was a solid episode. My only real issues with it were logistical stuff that really, at the end of the day, are not important. (laughs) All right, lovely. The next episode is called The Gold Job. What do you think it's about? Oh, okay. Well, the thing about gold is that when the stock market gets funny, people often, like, put their money in gold because the gold is like a safe stock, basically, to invest Mm -hmm. in. And given that they're coming up with Latimer now, and his whole thing has been playing yeah. the stock market based on which companies the team is targeting. I'm wondering if it's going to be somehow relevant to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm wondering if it's like, 
whatever they're going to do is going to have a huge ramification on the stocks or mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, the stonks as it were. Um, and, and the economy and stuff. Like I'm wondering if maybe that's going to be the angle, if they're going to try and like, if it's going to be the safest bet is to put your money in gold because there's going to be a huge shakeup mm-hmm. either that, or it's like very literal and it's like, they're going to steal some jewelry or something like there's some kind of like, hinky thing going mm-hmm. on with, with jewellers or, yeah. like, cashies, you know? Oh, so you're, they're, they're taking on cash converters? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, like, gold pawn shop space. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's probably that. If you wanted to go down a more... Like, a lot of this season has focused on, like, hearts and yeah. romance and, like, that kind of angle. Like, even this episode is a great example. I'm wondering if it's also, like, gold is typically, like, the traditional wedding ring, mm-hmm. you know? So it could also be something there. But I So think your that's... prediction of Sophie and I getting married is fine. <laughs> yeah. <true>. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, next episode is just going to be uh, Sophie and Nate. The wedding marriage. Yeah. yeah. So. Clearly. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think... It's like a corrupt bakery or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is probably less likely. Mm-hmm. But my, yeah, my money is it's probably something to do with the stock market yeah. and, like, the concept of gold being a safe bet. Mm-hmm. All right, lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Please have a lovely morning, evening, afternoon, night, lunch, brunch, 4 a.m., 2 a.m., whatever time of the day and or night. You can find us all over the internet. If you want to talk to us, talk to us about literally anything. We are very lonely. We just want some friends. <laughs> That's not true. Feel free to talk Don't to us. Don't lie to the people. Feel free to talk to us about literally anything, but suggested conversation topics do include. Where do you think Elliot was standing? Feel yeah. free to draw us a map. Map like, out this restaurant for us. Without like, MS Paint. Do we have some, like, is there any, like, we didn't look into any behind the scenes, like, stuff, but do we have any, like, behind the scenes, like, sh- like photographs or anything like that that shed some light onto, like, I what the layout of this fucking room is? Like, I desperately want to try and build this in The Sims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like that might cure me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, which of the pieces of artwork in this random restaurant restaurant is like the best? Because mm. they're the the art is weird. Yeah, it's very modern. <laughs> you said that like an insult. <laughs> well, it's just like it's like that absurdist like yeah. postmodern modern interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which I'm gonna be real, not an art style that I love. But you know, it's an art style to each their own. You know. All right. Yeah. Lovely. Jesus Christ, have fun editing that, bro. Between your dad showing up halfway through the fucking room layout discourse, the... Oh, Lord.